the story of a shy and unassuming little guy whose name is Chad. Now, one February before Valentine's Day, Chad came home and he told his mother that he wanted to make homemade Valentines for all of his classmates. But sadly, her heart sank for Chad as he told her this because she watched every day as the children from Chad's class walked home from school. They would come home running and playing and laughing together. But sadly, they never included Chad. As they were running and laughing, Chad always followed behind alone very sadly. And so, her mother was very sad when she heard this news that he wanted to make homemade Valentine's cards for his entire class, but she chose to remain silent, and she chose to help Chad with his desire to give these Valentines. So for nearly three weeks, Chad and his mother worked tirelessly to craft 35 different cards. Then Valentine's Day finally arrived, and Chad excitedly loaded his homemade Valentine's cards into his bag and bolted out the door and headed to class so eager and excited to give out the cards. And mom thought that it was going to be a very tough day for little Chad. And so she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make some nice warm cookies and a glass of milk. So when he comes home, he'll have some peace and I can comfort him. And surely, as she looked out the window, she saw the kids again. And she was very disappointed for she knew that the children were going to be without Chad. And one by one, they ran by laughing and playing. And there was Chad, all alone again, walking by himself. So she got the warm cookies ready, and she poured him a glass of milk. And, but she noticed something today a little different than most days. He was walking a little bit faster than usual, though. She wanted for Chad to come through the door with smiles, but she was expecting tears as he busted through the doors, and she noticed that his arms were empty. He didn't have the valentines that he was expecting, and she could hardly choke back the tears as he busted through the door, and she said to him, Mommy has some warm cookies and milk for you. But Chad hardly heard a word that she said. He walked right by her, his face aglow, and all he could say was, Not one. Not a single one. His mother began to cry, her heart sank, and then Chad added, I didn't forget one, not a single one. You see, Chad was more concerned about giving love than he was about receiving love. You see, holidays like today on Valentine's Day and holidays like Christmas, a lot of times we get caught up into the materialistic side of it, right? And we talk about, oh, the gifts we're going to receive, but the truth of it is, Holidays like today and Christmas and other holidays are not about what we receive, but about what we give, right? And today on Valentine's Day, it's about giving love, especially to your significant other. It's all about love and the compassion. But I started asking this week, and I started looking at it, and I thought, you know what? Valentine's Day is about love, and it's about receiving love and giving love, and it's all about the hearts and the bubbles and, and the joy of, of having a significant other and the, and the joy of being loved and, and the opportunity to give that love. But I started asking, what is love? What is it? 
Right? We, we have this idea, this notion, uh, maybe, you know, you, when I say that, all of us have a sound bit, right? When I say, what is love? If I asked each of you, I'm pretty sure all of you would have something that you would say, right? A sound bite. That way we don't sound ignorant. Like, oh, I know what love is. I know what love is. But what is love? And so I got onto the, when we have a question, right? We, what do we, where do we go? I, we go to Google, don't we? So this week I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to type in what is love in the Google search bar and see, because Google always has all the answers. You, you, can never, you can never fail. I'm not sure how anyone actually ever graduated college without Google. Um, so those of you who graduated college before Google, please come talk to me because um, you're the real superheroes. <laughs> Google is awesome. So I typed in what is love in the Google search bar, and this is what I found. eHarmony says this, love is one of the most profound emotions we experience as humans. We could agree with that, right? It's one of the most profound emotions we experience as humans. Psychology today says love is a force of nature. They can be considered a force of nature. Goodtherapy.org says love is complex, a mix of emotions, behaviors, and beliefs associated with strong feelings of affection, protectiveness, warmth, and respect for another person. It's not a bad definition, but this is my favorite. You ready for this one? And gentlemen, if, you're, if this is not on your Valentine's Day cards to your, to your wife, well, there's something wrong with you, because this is probably the most warming, heartfelt definition of love. Love encompasses a range of strong and positive emotional and mental states, from the most sublime virtue or good nature or habit, the deepest interpersonal affection to the simplest pleasure. Well, that's a warm definition, isn't it? How many of you put that down on your Valentine's cards? Right? Love encompasses a range of strong and positive emotional and mental states from the most sublime virtue or good habit. Now that right there is a good definition of love. <laughs> How many of you, when I said, what is love, thought of that? Probably not many, right? But what is love? And so I started looking at it, and I thought, well, to get a true definition of what love is, we have to go to Scripture. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. All of us are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. It gives us the most profound and true definition of what love is. Because in this definition of love in Paul's writings, it's not about ourselves. It's not about how I can receive love. It's not about what the world defines as love. It's not about the physical. It's not about all the extra materialistic things. It's really focused on, on what we can do for the other person. And listen to the words, beginning with verse 4. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love, it does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And listen to this. Love never fails. Amen, church. Love never fails. So I, I started writing, and I thought, well, what is a, a simple definition that I can put together? And this is what I came up with. It's going to be on the screen. It says this, love is more than a feeling. Love is a matter of heart that directs our actions. 
I want you to write that down, church, because love is more than a feeling. Love is a matter of our heart that directs our actions. And interestingly, I want you guys to hear me this morning. We have been called to action. Did you guys know that? Love is not this, how do I put this? Love is not about the physical like the world wants us to think it is. Right, we've all heard people say, I can't be with them anymore because I just fell out of love with them. I no longer feel that I love them. You see, love is more than a feeling. Love is a matter of our heart that directs our actions, and we have been called to action. Go with me to Matthew 22. We've been called to action. We've actually, we've been commanded to action. Jesus, they, when Jesus was questioned, they said, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, the greatest commandment is this, which means this is what we have been commanded to do, meaning we have been called to action. In Matthew 22, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then in Luke 10, 27, it says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Church, love is more than a feeling. Did you know that? Love encompasses our entire being. It's a matter of the heart that directs our actions. It's more than this feeling that we claim it is. It goes much deeper than that. It encompasses our soul, our heart, our strength, and our mind. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love one another that way too. You see, we've been called to action. And I can stand here this morning and I can tell you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Say amen and send you about your business, right? I could. I could say, you know what? Love God. Do it. Love one another amen, hallelujah, let's go get lunch, let's go have our Valentine's Day dinner. However, whenever we say this, whenever we quote this verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, what does it mean? In other words, what does it look like to actually apply this in a practical sense to my life? What does it look like for me to love God with my entire being? How do I do that? I mean, how many of us disagree with this, right? How many of us disagree with this? Any of us? No, none of us, right? We all, we all agree with, I should love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But how many of us apply it? How many of us actually understand how, the, how to apply this to our lives? What does it look like? And so I want to, if you allow me with you this morning, I want to help us understand this. And it first starts by understanding this in the context of love and action, that we must first understand that we are in a love relationship with God initiated by him. The only reason we know how to love is because God loved us first. Plain and simple. You and I will never learn how to love until we know how God loved us. It is initiated by him. And when you read the Gospels, when you read the Scripture, you will see that he is the perfect example of love because he loved us with his entire soul, his entire mind, his entire strength. In his entire heart, he gave us his all. He sacrificed everything in order to bring us back to him because he loved us, church. In the book of Genesis, we fell. 
We said, we'd rather have sin than you, God. But God said, you know what? I love you too much to leave you in that fallen state. Therefore, I want you back. Therefore, I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to give you everything. You see, we know how to love today because God loved us first. And he was the perfect example of us. The epistle of 1 John tells us that clearly love comes from God. So whatever true love that we express is only the love that we have first received from God. We cannot love God the way that he calls us to love him. We cannot love one another the way he has called us to love one another until we first understand how he loved us. This is all initiated by him. Whatever love we express to others is always and only will be the love that we have already received from God. So how then do we give that love, give that love back to God? How do we do it? How do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, the truth of the matter is, unfortunately, we fall into tendencies to believe that everyone should do it the same. We think that everyone should fit the same cookie-cutter mold of my way is the right way, and if you don't do it my way, you can hit the highway, right? We believe that how I love God is how others should love God. How I do it is how they should do it. And better yet, what I'm going to do is if they don't love God that way, I'm going to condemn them for it. I'm going to bash them. I'm going to make them feel bad until they learn to love God the way I love God. Now, we do know there is only one way to heaven, right? Plain and simple. There is, only, there is only one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So do not leave here and say, God, uh, your preacher said there's more than one way to heaven. Your preacher never said that. There is only one way to heaven, that is through Jesus Christ himself. What I am saying is there are different ways to express your love to God. Do not think that your spouse has to express love the same way you do. Do not think that the person sitting next to you right now has to express their love to God the same way you do. Let me explain. Every person on earth experiences earthly love differently. We understand that, right? What makes you feel loved will not necessarily make another person feel the same way. We all have different love languages. Studies have shown that there are five primary love languages. And all of us fall into one of these categories. However, each of us have a primary love language. One that speaks most deeply to us emotionally. Now, I do believe that all of us should practice all five love languages. We can. However, each of us have a love language that is primary to us. It's similar to, to spoken language. Most of us grew up speaking a language that we relied on more than any other. All of us have a spoken language that we relate to. <coughs> and we, sorry guys, I'm choked up right now and the love language that we understand best is the same oh man it's happening again sweetie yeah you guys have to forgive me i have stomach issues and it makes my heart race really bad and i feel like i'm gonna pass out so you guys give me five seconds <laughs> it's always nerve-wracking when the preacher does this isn't it <laughs> Can I get a glass of water if you guys care? All right. Yours hasn't been open yet? All right. This happened once before at my last church. I actually passed out in front of them, so. (laughs) 
Anywho, so we all have five love, we all have lo- a language that we speak, and that language we understand best, and the same is true in our love, right? So there are five love languages, and the first is this, words of affirmation. All of us have a love language that we fall into, and the first is words of affirmation. In other words, spoken words or encouragement make us feel loved. Spoken words or encouragement. So things like, honey, you look really nice today. Honey, I love you. Honey, thank you for doing that for me. It's a spoken word or encouragement. Things that when we hear them, we really feel loved. And words may focus on uh, our spouse's looks or our personality or a, or a character trait or something he or she has done for you. It's words of affirmation. Hearing that spoken word of, you know what, honey, I really appreciate you today. That's whenever we feel the most loved is when we're getting those words of affirmation. The second is this, receiving gifts. Giving presents as an expression of love. A gift says, I was thinking about you. A gift says, you know what? I know you didn't need this, but I want to show you how much I care about you. And the gift doesn't have to be expensive. The gift doesn't have to be something that you and I doesn't have to be, you know, the 10-carat diamond or the gold band. It can simply just be a flower or take take them out to dinner, something small. Receiving gifts. We've all heard it, right? It's the thought that counts. One of the love languages is receiving gifts. The, sec- the third one is acts of service. Doing something for your spouse that you know he or she would like to do. Acts of service can be anything, including cooking, washing dishes, vacuuming, wiping white spots off the mirror after you're done brushing your teeth, cleaning the toilet, washing the car, mowing the grass, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper. You remember the old saying, right? Actions speak louder than words. It's acts of service. is one of the love languages. So we have words of affirmation, receiving gifts, acts of service. And then we have quality time, giving your spouse an undivided attention. This doesn't mean, and, and, and I know when we say quality time, especially men, we fall in this category. Oh, honey, I sat and watched TV with you last night. Or we went out to eat as I'm staring at my phone the whole time. Oh, I'm in the same room as you, but I'm not really paying attention to you. Now, see, quality time is whenever we actually spend time face-to-face with them, talking with them, listening to them, going out to eat, and actually focusing on them. I was laughing with Ashley last night. We took Addison out to eat, and there was a couple that was sitting next to each other, but they were facing the, the restaurant. And I said, I've never really understood that, going out to eat and sitting next to the person, because then you're just focusing on the restaurant. You're not actually focusing on each other. Now, if anyone does that, I'm not criticizing you. Maybe I am. But, <laughs> but I, I've never understood it, right? Because when I go out to eat, I want to be able to see her. I don't want to focus on everything else. I want to focus on her. And so quality time is more than just being present. Quality time is really focusing on that person. And when you receive that quality time, you say to yourself, man, I really feel love today, right? And so words of affirmation, spoken words, receiving gifts. When someone gives you a gift, you say, you know what? I feel love today. Acts of service. I can't believe they did that for me. That's awesome. Quality time. Man, I really felt heard. I felt listened. They actually do care about me. And the last one is physical touch. And this can be anything. This doesn't mean just sex, guys. This can be holding hands or, or when you walk by, rubbing your hand across their back, letting them know. Or for you women, when you're laying in bed, putting your cold toes on your husband. <laughs> Whatever it is, right? 
But it's physical touch. It's letting your spouse know that you're there. And that allows them to let, it allows them to know that you truly love them. All five of these are important. I encourage all of them. Listen, if, if you say, you know, I don't fall in any of these, maybe fall in two of them, whatever. I encourage, I really do, try all five of them. If you've never said, I, I, you've never actually sat down and studied this and figured out what your love language is, write this down, take a picture of it, and go home and try this. Figure out what your love language is. Try all five of them. However, all of us have a primary one that we can relate to and desire the most. Every one of us, when we look at this list, we say, you know what? That's the one that I want. That's the thing that I need the most. And the same is true, listen to me, the same is true in our spiritual life. All of us have a spiritual love language that we use to express our love to God. And look, when we, in, in the five love languages of earthly love languages, it's okay to be different. If yours is words of affirmation and your spouse is physical touch, that's okay. If yours is receiving gifts and theirs is, theirs is acts of service, that's fine too. If yours is physical touch and theirs is quality time, that's okay. It's okay to be different. And the same in our spiritual lives, it's okay to be different. And so I started looking into this a little bit, and I came across an article by Mark Wilson. He's a fellow Wesleyan pastor who came up with this theory. And I reached out to him, and he gave me permission concerning the, 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 the spiritual love languages. And I wanted to share it with you. And the premise of this theory is that every person has a primary spiritual love language that is based on one of the four parts of the commandment found in the Gospels. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of us express our love to God in one or all four of these areas. Now, we've been called to express God in all four of these areas, right? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've all been called to do that. However, all of us have a primary one that we lean toward that's more natural for us. We say, this is really how I express my love to God. This is the area I do it. And it's okay to be different just as long as you are expressing your love to God. So let's look at it. Number one is heart. Now, these are the people of passion. These are the ones that, from their heart, they are flowing out this passion for God. They're the ones that you typically see crying or singing or shouting or praising or dancing during worship. These are the ones that when they pray, you say, man, there was some fire behind that prayer, right? These are the people of passion. These are the ones that say, you know what, from my heart, I really felt that music today. That really touched me, Pastor. These are the ones that say, you know what, when I pray, I'm going to give my entire heart to God. The second one is soul. Now, these are the ones that are contemplating. These are the ones that love spending time alone with God in silence. These are the people that you typically see who love nature and love to meditate and they sometimes write poems or, or they'll write in their journals and they really just, they're just contemplating. And a lot of times, you see, whenever we are a heart person, and in worship, we're raising our hands, and we're shouting, and we're swaying, and and we're really singing, and we're crying, and then we look across the aisle, and we see somebody really quiet and just folding their hands. We say, I just can't believe they weren't getting into the music today. No, don't judge them, because they may be a soul person. They may be someone who just, you know what, they don't want to have the outer expression. They want to allow the music just to saturate deeper into their soul. They want to allow it just to, they want to absorb it. They're observing, they're listening, and they're contemplating, and then they're going to go home, and they're going to write about it, and they're going to meditate on it. Just because you're a heart person, 
doesn't mean that they're not worshiping. It means they're worshiping different than you. A soul person is someone who contemplates on everything. And then you have mind. These are the thinkers, right? So we have the passion, we have the contemplators, and now we have the thinkers. And a lot of times, someone with a, who's a mind person is really um, someone that we can consider a, a theologian. They love digging deep into Scripture, and they find the mysteries, and they uncover the truth. They love to study and analyze and unpack Scripture. These are the ones that when they feel most connected to God, it's whenever they're studying and digging deep into the written word. And that's how they connect most to God, and that's how they express their love to God. These are the ones that really dig it deep, and they rip it apart, and they study and analyze it, and they write things about it. That's how they express their love to God, is through the mind and through thinking. But then you have the strength, and these ones are the ones that love to do. They express their love to God by rolling up their sleeves. And really getting their hands dirty. Mark Wilson wrote, visionary leaders are often found in this category along with activists for social justice and public concerns. These are the ones that say, you know what? The community needs are more important than my personal needs. These are the ones that are going to get out there and get dirty. These are the doers. So you have heart, you have the passion, you have soul, you have the contemplators, you have mind, you have the thinkers, and you have strength. The ones who say, I'm going to get out there and do it. All of these are important. I truly encourage all of you to try all four of these. But the question is, where do you see yourself as your primary one? Where do you find yourself, church? Of course, we've been called to do all four of them, but all of us have a primary one. Are you someone who loves doing the strength? Get out there and go do it then. Don't be afraid. Don't hide it. If you're someone that likes to do, go do it. Maybe you're someone who who needs to think about it, who needs to study it. Well, then dig into Scripture and find that truth for us. Don't be afraid to hide it. Maybe you're someone who who loves the soul, who loves to be quiet and just contemplate on it. That's okay. Go find your quiet spot, church. Or maybe you're someone that has that passion, truly flows from the heart. Well, then get on the rooftops and shout it. Don't be afraid to shout. Don't be afraid to cry. What's your love language? No matter your love language, listen to me. Use it for the glory of God. But never be afraid to try the other ones, okay? Reverend Wilson said, let your primary love language take the lead, but let the other three sing harmony. Don't neglect the ones that are not as natural for you. You may be surprised at what you discover. After all, each of these is joined by the word and not the word or. So don't be afraid to try all four, but don't be afraid to express your primary love language. And so what is your primary love language? Let me encourage you, take time to discover it. Never be ashamed to express it, but always remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a matter of the heart that directs our actions. Amen. Stand with us again as we go to worship. I'm all right.
Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the love that you have shown us. Lord, because of your love, you have pulled us out of sin. You have broken the chains of addiction. And because of your love, Lord, we, know not, we now know how to love. And so, Father, as we leave here today, I pray that you will help each of us to be able to find our primary spiritual love language. To be able to show you the love that we have for you, Father. And help us, Lord, to be able to support one another in that. And Lord, as we go about our day today, Lord, I pray that you help us to be the salt and the light in our communities. Help us to be the witness that you have called us to be. And it's in your glorious name that we pray. And everybody said it. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you tonight.